Welcome back to The Wisdom Journey, where Stephen Davey is teaching through the Bible with these daily lessons. Today, Stephen is in Acts 23. We're presented a great lesson from the life of the Apostle Paul, and it's this. God never works with perfect people because perfect people don't exist. He works with people who know, love, and follow him. God accomplishes his purposes in spite of our human failings. Here's Stephen with more. Decades ago, Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem entitled, If. It's written as a a, a piece of fatherly advice to a son on what it means to be a man. The opening, probably the most famous line, presents this one necessary quality. He effectively says, you're a man if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. Well, if there was anyone who was keeping his head when everybody around him was losing theirs, it was the Apostle Paul. But now as we set sail today into Acts chapter 23, we're going to learn that even the great Apostle Paul lost his cool on at least one occasion. Now remember, Paul has been misunderstood. He's been maligned by even believing Jews in the church. And then in the temple, his uh, opponents, Jewish opponents, made false accusations against him. And this mob formed and a riot broke out. And Paul was beaten before eventually being rescued by Roman soldiers. Well, now as chapter 23 opens, the Roman commander has decided to deliver uh, Paul over to the Sanhedrin. That's the Supreme Court of Israel. He's going to be given a hearing. And Paul begins his defense before that Supreme Court now, here in verse 1. Here's what he says. Brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. Now, beloved, Paul's not saying he's perfect here. Uh, he's just simply saying he's kept a short account with God so that he, his conscience is clear. Let me tell you, beloved, especially as you serve the Lord and encounter hardships, there's, there's really no softer pillow to lay your head on at night than a clear conscience. Now, with that, Paul is suddenly and rather rudely interrupted by the high priest, Ananias. He orders a, a soldier standing nearby to literally punch Paul in the face, in the mouth. More than likely, he was offended that Paul referred to them as his brothers. He's speaking to them as his peers. Well, let me tell you, that punch is the match that that lights Paul's fuse. The last 24 hours have been grueling for Paul, probably uh, without any sleep, uh, probably nothing to eat. Now he's got, a, he's got a bloody nose or bloody lip. In verse 3, he says, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law, you order me to be struck? Well, Paul is absolutely correct that the high priest is violating the law by having this blow delivered without a, a hearing. And when Paul says, Well, God is going to strike you. Well, let me tell you, that's a prophetic warning. In fact, we know from history that this very high priest will suffer a violent death in the days ahead. Well, some bystanders say to Paul here in verse 4, would you revile God's high priest? 
Well, evidently, for some reason, Paul had not recognized Ananias. And you know what he does? He quickly apologizes for his angry words against the highest spiritual office in the land. He acknowledges, he admits that he had not responded correctly. Well, his own pride had been hurt. Don't forget, beloved, Paul isn't perfect. His halo can get crooked just as fast as yours can and mine. In fact, one of the proofs of the Bible's inspiration is that it doesn't put makeup on mistakes. It reveals heroes of the faith as being made of the same clay that we are today. So let's be sure to follow Paul's example in quickly admitting, quickly apologizing for his harsh response. Now, verse 6 tells us that Paul perceived that one part of the Sanhedrin were Sadducees and the other Pharisees. Well, we know that the Sadducees rejected many biblical teachings, including the resurrection of the dead and even the existence of angels. The Pharisees, however, believed in angels and resurrection, but they're trying to keep the law as a way to be resurrected from the dead and brought into the kingdom of God. So, Paul does something interesting here. He declares in verse 6 that that he's a Pharisee, and he's on trial for the hope and the resurrection of the dead. Well, now, that's effectively true, but Paul's statement immediately ignites this, this debate, this argument between the Sadducees and the Pharisees over the reality of the resurrection, and some of the Pharisees start defending Paul. Well, when it appears they're going to start a civil war right there in the courtroom, the soldiers come in again, they remove Paul and return him to the Roman barracks. Now, some Bible scholars believe Paul was using a clever tactic here to create chaos since he wasn't going to get a fair trial anyway. Others believe that he was appealing to the Pharisees at least to to understand the basis of his gospel teaching. Well, we can't know for sure. Frankly, uh, Paul might have been doing both. But in either case, Paul was certainly disappointed. He'd looked forward to making a defense of his faith in front of the Sanhedrin. His angry outburst had, had sort of derailed the hearing into an argument. And eventually, you know, everybody's shouting at each other. So I, I think a rather discouraged apostle now sits in Roman custody that night, uh, perhaps unable to sleep. But get this, verse 11 tells us here, The Lord stood by him and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. In other words, Paul, your mission isn't over. The Lord affirms Paul's testimony here in Jerusalem, and now he promises that he's going to testify in the city of Rome. This is a good reminder, beloved, that Paul's ministry just like yours, whatever it might be. It, it isn't about, you know, responding perfectly or, or witnessing consistently. You're going to fail at times. But Paul's ministry is not about his faithfulness. It's about God's faithfulness. Yes, God wants us to be faithful. He doesn't want us shouting at people. And, and it's discouraging when we fail him. But, but here's the good news. No failure is fatal. And even even when we're not faithful, God will always be faithful. Well, now verse 12 tells us that some Jewish men here bound themselves by an oath neither to eat nor drink 
till they had killed Paul. Imagine their hatred for Paul. They make a vow they're not going to eat another meal until they can get their hands on Paul and kill him. Well, they're about to lose a lot of weight. But, but here's their plot. The Roman commander will be asked to bring Paul over to the Sanhedrin. Uh, they're going to question him some more. But on the way there, these assassins will ambush them and kill the apostle Paul. Well, the verses that follow describe how through apparent uh, uh, coincidences, as some people might call them, we know God's in perfect control, Paul's life is going to be protected. What we see here is the hand of God working behind the scenes to keep his word to Paul that Paul is going to make it to Rome alive. Well, the first you know, so-called coincidence is seen here in verse 16. Uh, Paul has a nephew in town, and he just so happens to be at the right place at the right time, and he overhears this plot. He quickly relays the information to the apostle Paul, a Roman centurion. Well, he just so happens to be available and willing to take Paul's nephew to speak to the commander. That's verses 17 and 18. And then beginning here in verse 19, we read that this commander, Claudius Lysias, actually, well, he takes the information seriously. Instead of brushing off Paul's nephew, he believes him, and then he decides to protect Paul at all costs, which is a rather unusual event. Well, he foils the plot by taking Paul that very night to Caesarea under the protection of 400 Roman soldiers. Let me tell you, that's a 55-mile journey. This commander even takes the time to write a letter to Felix, the Roman governor, explaining Paul's situation and even showing some sympathy for Paul. So with that, Paul arrives the next day in Caesarea. Governor Felix reads the letter, and then he tells Paul here in verse 35, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive. In other words, I'm going to keep you safe, and I'm going to give you a fair trial. You see, through all these events, God is at work. He's moving people and circumstances in order to see that that Paul accomplishes his ministry for Jesus Christ. Now, what all this reveals to us is that God's work cannot be stopped even when we fail. He knows the enemy's secret plots, but nothing can derail the ultimate plans of God. And let me add, let me add this, that nothing and no one can take your life without God's permission in accord with God's perfect plan. What's our role? Our role is to walk with God today and let him take care of everything else. Well, until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen called this lesson, When Paul Lost His Temper. You're listening to The Wisdom Journey. This is a three-year journey through all 66 books of the Bible. If you'd like to go back and listen to any of the previous lessons, we've posted all of them to our website. Visit wisdomonline.org. Once you get to the Wisdom Journey section of our website, you'll be able to listen to each lesson, or if you prefer, you can watch the video version. Once again, you'll find this resource at wisdomonline.org.
org. Once you go there, you'll be able to access the complete library of Stephen's Bible teaching ministry. Stephen's been teaching the Bible for over 36 years. In that time, he's preached hundreds of sermons. All of those are posted to our website. You'll find that collection of sermons organized by Book of the Bible. If there's a particular book that you want to study, and if Stephen has preached through it, you can listen or read each message. I hope you'll make it a priority to join us each weekday. If you do, we're convinced that God will use His Word to help you walk wisely through life. That's the reason why Stephen developed this series. He wants you to know what the Bible says, understand what it means, and apply it to your life. Please join us back here next time to continue your wisdom journey.